I've got a bone to pick today on this glorious Wednesday afternoon, 1221 Wednesday afternoon. Coming up towards Christmas, I'm going to be a little bit, I'm going to be a little bit naughty because I got a bone to pick. All right. United, I fly, I flew out of Sheridan this weekend. That's why this is, uh, this is coming a day late. This, uh, this episode's coming a day late. I was out on vacation. I was at a wedding, a beautiful wedding. Travis, Diana, I hope you guys have beautiful children, have a long-lasting marriage. It was a beautiful reception, beautiful rehearsal. I hope you guys do fantastic. Now, listen, now I got a bone to pick. Not with the wedding itself, but with the travel itself. I was in an airport coming back into Sheridan for probably 12 to 14 hours yesterday. Uh, they don't make it easy. I fly standby most of the time because I have somebody that works in with United. So I get that perk, which is awesome. No doubt, you know, no, no harping there. Beautiful perk. I love that perk very much, but man, oh man, the only hard, the only, the only negative that I, the only negative thing I have to say about the travel experience, I usually enjoy, and this is going to sound crazy. Most people are going to think I'm a maniac for this. I actually kind of enjoy spending my time in the airport. I think it, I'm kind of a people watcher and there's not a, a more vast, you know, a vast array of different people that you'll find then at an airport, you'll just see a bunch of different people from a bunch of different places and they're all going in different directions. It's fun to people watch at airports just because of what you'll see. Uh, now eight hours at the Denver airport, maybe a little bit too much. Didn't love that. It was more than eight hours. Actually, it was closer to like 11 to 12 or whatever, uh, that, you know, I could do without that. Maybe, you know, a three, four hour layer. That's not terrible. You can get something to eat. People watch for a while. Just walk around the airport and see things you haven't seen before. That's not the worst thing in the world. Okay. You get, you're walking in at the very least. The only bone pick, the only, the only bone I have to pick about it is that United, who is what, who I fly through primarily, they're still using these. And this is mainly a Sheridan problem as well, just because we have such a small population. We don't have a lot of flights that fly in and out of Sheridan Airport. I understand that. But they're still using these tiny, this tiny, tiny plane, the Canada Air CRJ-200. That is the name of the plane. And I hate, I absolutely hate flying on that stupid plane. Okay. I would rather fly on the, the absolute, the, the, the death trap that was the first plane that the Wright brothers used to fly, to take flight that became one of the greatest inventions of humans in humans, in the humankind history, in the history of humankind, the greatest invention that came to be was one of the greatest inventions that came to be was that first flight that, or that the Wright brothers took. And I would rather fly on that thing than the stupid Canada air CRJ 200. It is, you're packed in there like sardines. You can feel everything that moves in that airplane. It is the most uncomfortable right now. Granted, look, I'm a bigger dude. It's not necessarily made for me. I understand that. Sure. I'm a bigger guy. I get it. You know, I could lose a couple pounds for sure. No problem. Well, not no problem. I mean, it was a little bit harder for me, but you get what I'm saying. I could lose a couple pounds and it wouldn't be as big of a problem, but still, even the people that are like smaller than me, tinier than me, just in terms of stature, they're still having, they're packed in there like sardines no matter what. It's the worst experience in flying, is flying on this stupid airplane. United, they made they made $31 billion, $38 billion in revenue last year. Just replace the plane. Just get like an Embraer ERJ-175, which is the plane that you'll see fly out of like Billings or something that a lot of times, or the one that I flew on from Tulsa to Denver was an Embraer ERJ-175. It's smaller. Uh, it's still a smaller aircraft, but it's not as small as the the sardine pack that they pack you in into the uh, in the in the stupid Canada Air CRJ-200. I think the Wright brothers they invented the airplane, the very first airplane, that biplane death trap thing that they flew on, and then the second thing they invented was the Canada Air CRJ-200. And they were like, you know, what? we could pack people in here, and that's no problem. This is the best thing we can do. 
This is how we're going to make air, air travel go from local regional airports. It is the worst plane in existence. I hate that plane so much. It is. I, I've never felt more. I'm not a claustrophobic person, but that airplane, that dead, that two, that submarine in the air makes me feel claustrophobic because of how close I am to the person next to me. No matter who it is, it doesn't matter. I could be sitting next to a child, uh, a wee baby, and I'd still feel very very claustrophobic and sitting like super close to a child. I hate that airplane. That's the only bone pick, bone to pick I have. I, I love pretty much every other airplane. I, you know, I flew to London. I've flown to London a couple times and I have no, you know, no, no right gripes with that. That was relatively decent experience. Uh, you're sitting for a long time. Sure. But it's a relatively comfortable experience. They're out. They offer you a ton of entertainment in the process. So it's not the worst thing in the world, but man, they sit you in this, in this stupid Canada air CRJ 200 and you are real. I mean, you. I'm. I'm sitting there cross armed the whole time because I don't want to be in some other person's space. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm actually getting packed in like a sardine. It's the worst thing in the world. I hate that airplane so much, and I think a lot of people would agree with me. I think we've, as human beings, I think we've just, like I said, I'm a bigger dude. Granted, bigger guy. I get it. Could just lose weight. You know, the easier said than done, though. Okay, all right, guys. Easier said than done. But listen, I think we've also just evolved past the point in humanity where that plane is good enough for regional airports. Let's just get a different thing. They made $38 billion in revenue last year. Just throw in the bigger airplanes into the regional airport. Who cares? You'll lose a little off the top. Sure, whatever. But man, it's a more comfortable experience. I feel a lot better flying out of Sheridan than out of, in, out of Sheridan in that plane in the Embraer ERJ-175. I researched these airplanes. I looked them up. By the way, I didn't know these off the cuff. Okay, I didn't know the names of these airplanes off the cuff. I'm not that smart. I'm not that much of an aero, uh, an aerospace guy or whatever. I don't know that much about airplanes. But I looked it up and I was like, man, this plane sucks so bad. I'm going to look it up and roast it on the podcast because that's how much I hate that stupid airplane. Uh, and don't get me started with the bathroom, man. If you got to go, you know, if you got to go to the bathroom, it's early in the morning. God knows you're up early in the morning trying to get out of here out of Sheridan on time. God knows you're going to have to go to the bathroom at some point on that airplane and you're moving around like a hobbit in in some sort of it's just impossible. It's impossible. It's the worst airplane ever made. I'd rather fly in Orville Wright's death trap of an airplane that they first took off with than that stupid plane. I hate it so much. But that's where my rant went. That, that, that's where the rant's going to end. Sports, huh? How about that, ladies and gentlemen? Sports. What a weekend we had for sports. World Cup ended. This is gonna be a quicker episode. Obviously, it's Christmas weekend. I'm trying to, um, I got, I got to get stuff done quicker. Obviously, I had the two days off Monday, Tuesday, and now we're here doing the podcast on a Wednesday. So it's probably it might be a little bit shorter of an episode. I apologize for that. We should be back to regular scheduled programming next weekend or next Tuesday, excuse me, and uh, get you the normal podcast length, if you will in uh, in that episode but this one might be a little bit a little bit shorter we're going to start with the world cup because oh my god uh greatest match i've ever seen arguably the greatest sporting spectacle i've ever seen argentinian fans they showed out traveled to qatar or you know they gave qatar fans argentinian uh, argentinian jerseys or whatever and said go cheer for argentina i don't know what happened there were reports of that happening beforehand as well so but i i believe the argentinian fans they were you know pumping up the uh, pumping up the joint in uh, in qatar and what a match it was. Incredible game. An incredible match. Probably the greatest soccer match I've ever seen, given the stakes. Uh, that Liverpool versus Barcelona Champions League. I think it was a semifinal, the second leg of the Champions League semifinal, or the final one of the two. I can't remember. Uh, I believe it was the semifinal, though. And uh, that was probably one of the better matches I've ever seen as well. But this one, given the stakes, given the 
the uh, the incredible stakes that were on Messi's shoulder at this point. This was his the game of his life, the game that he needed to come through on in order to become the undisputed, uh, you know, maybe not undisputed, but more undisputed than the red than we've ever seen before. Uh, goat of his generation. He's on the Mount Rushmore, in my opinion. Now, the Mount Rushmore of international stars in the history of sports: Muhammad Ali, Leo Messi. You could throw Pele on there as well. Uh, maybe even Michael Jordan would possibly on there just because of how much he expanded the game as an international superstar as well. You could go down the list. You could make your own Mount Rushmore, but I think Leo Messi now has cemented himself on that Mount Rushmore at the very least. We can go through what his stats are and what his accomplish his accomplishments were. He he was missing the one trophy. The one trophy that he was missing was that World Cup trophy. That was the only thing he had not accomplished in his time, in his playing career, and he's still only 35. I mean, he's not going to play much longer, I would say. Uh, he's getting towards the end of his career, obviously, but you know, I, he could still play some some time in in uh, in Miami, which is a lot of reports are saying that he's planning a move to uh, Inter Miami later in. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be this transfer this transfer period or the next or what have you, but there's a lot of reports saying that he's going to be doing that. But you know, winning an MLS Cup, I don't know how much how high on the list of accomplishments for Messi that will be. Um, but uh, he's done everything else he's needed. He's a seven-time winner of the Ballon d'Or, which is unreal. I think that's the most all-time, the seven-time winner of the Ballon d'Or. One-time World Cup winner, obviously, just from this past World Cup. A three-time FIFA club World Cup winner with Barcelona. He's a one-time Copa America winner with Argentina as well. Four-time Champions League winner, all with Barcelona. Ten-time Spanish champion with Barcelona. A one-time French champion with PSG, now that he had that later move in his career. A three-time UEFA Super Cup winner with Barcelona. A seven-time Spanish Cup winner with Barcelona. Eight-time Spanish Super Cup winner with Barcelona. A one-time under-20 World Cup champion, because why not? A one-time Conimable uh, UEFA Cup of Champions winner with Argentina. That was two years ago. And then one-time French Super Cup winner as well with Paris Saint-Germain. And throw in a gold medal with Argentina, the Argentine uh, Olympic team in 2008 and 2009 as well. He's done everything. In my opinion, he's ended the argument. He's the greatest of all time in soccer. He had uh, eight goals and assists in just this World Cup alone, which uh, nearly matched Ronaldo's uh, 10 in five World Cup appearances. And that's just one of the GOAT discussions you're going you're gonna to hear. Ronaldo, Pele, Maradona, R9, Ronaldinho. The list goes on and on. Most of those guys have one little black mark that they were never able to accomplish or something like that. Messi had one, and that was the World Cup. He was never able to win the World Cup. And now here we are. He's a World Cup champion. And I don't think you can look at Messi anymore and be like, ah, he's missing something. You know, he's missing something from that debate. He's missing something that these other five guys or six guys were able to accomplish. That's just not true anymore. Pele, he had three World Cup titles, granted, but it was also in the time of sport in of a of World Cup where Brazil was just doing it better than everybody else on the planet because they just learn how to play soccer better than everybody else on the planet. I think that now it's much more of an even slate. In terms of the competition that you're playing between Brazil, Argentina, England, France, what have you, uh, that it's it's much more of a level competition and for Messi to do what he did. Probably the best form that I think, you know, maybe not the best, 2012, he had like 73 goals in a calendar year or something like that, which is absurd. Um, maybe not the best form we've ever seen him in, but to rise from the depths that he was in because he was not having great seasons, back-to-back seasons with PSG or anything like that. It didn't look like he was going to explode onto the scene with Argentina during this World Cup, and here he was. He came out, he exploded on the scene, he gave us one of the best performances, one of the best World Cup performances we've seen. Uh, And then same with Mbappe, who was on the French team. He had a hat-trick in the final 
just came up short. Mbappe is next in line to be on that that goat list. The guy is 23 years old and he nearly had a chance or nearly captured his second World Cup title at just 23 years old. Uh He's going to be one of the best players we've ever seen, a generational talent if everything goes correctly, uh, and we'll see where he ends up. He's probably not going to stay with PSG either much longer. He's probably going to go to a bigger club like Real Madrid, Barcelona, or something like that, or even a move to the Premier League in England where he can play for Manchester City, probably not Manchester City, Manchester United, you know, Arsenal, one of those bigger clubs or something like that in England against the best competition in the world. It's just the World Cup, that final was Truly incredible. We had the fanfare from Emmy Martinez at goalkeeper. Uh, questionable calls in terms of penalties and stuff like that. Handball decisions, close goals that would have been the goal of our lifetime if Messi had uh, put in a, a goal from 20 yards out or what have you that would have curved in. That would have been incredible. Uh, it just had everything. It was incredible. It was so much fun to watch. It was a perfect way to end that World Cup. Uh, the the World Cup, uh, question, a couple of questionable rounds in terms of the knockout stages, but. I think for the most part, one of the better World Cups we've seen and definitely, in my opinion, the greatest World Cup final that I have seen that I can remember in recent memory. You think of the 2006, the Italy and France one, of course, that had a couple memorable moments. Japan and the USA women's teams had a pretty memorable World Cup final not too long ago as well. But I think this one, just the the, the fairy tale ending that we've gotten from for Messi uh, is just it's unmatched. It's unmatched. We're talking about a guy that literally cannot live in his own country. I mean, it is basically impossible for him to live in his home country in Argentina because of how famous and how recognizable he is to every single person in that country. He could not live in Argentina if he wanted to. Um, and it's incredible. He's just, he's, he's a, the greatest of all time when it comes to that sport, probably the icon of that country. I mean, Maradona's up there, obviously he's maybe more of a man of the people. Maradona was, um, but now in modern day, in the modern day football or soccer player, uh, Messi is somebody that will, his legacy will live on much longer past uh, the time he has gone and retired from from soccer. He will be the, the most well-known name, at least for now, uh, the most well-known name to come from Argentina in terms of sports, uh, maybe in terms of anything, uh, in terms of any, if you're watching the, if you've seen the, the pictures from Buenos Aires, uh, that that's going on in the streets, the celebration that's going on in Buenos Aires, Buenos Aires right now, uh, it's hard to imagine any other situation other than maybe another world cup victory, uh, where you see a bigger celebration in Argentina, uh, for anything other than the world cup victory they just had. So it was incredible to see great world cup. It was fun to watch. Uh, I'm not usually, I, I was not a huge fan of the Winter World Cup. I understand why they were doing it, because Qatar, uh, you would have killed a couple people. Well, um, I mean, they basically did. Uh, but you would have killed a couple people on the field playing in Qatar summer. But uh, they were able to play in the winter. I think it was okay. I, I think for the most part, it was pretty good. It sucked that it collided with the NFL, to be honest with you. I wish they didn't have the World Cup final on a sat, or excuse me, on a Sunday, uh, right before an NFL Sunday, because there was a lot to take in on Sunday. Uh, but well, regardless, it was a great way to end it. It was a ton of fun. What a World Cup! I'm happy it's over now, though, because it was a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm soothed. I am, I have, I have tasted everything I wanted to. I have eaten all core, every five course meal they could have given me, and I am full. I'm good to move on now. Let's get to some football, some American football. Let's talk some American football. Let's start Thursday night. 49ers. They beat the Seahawks. The how long are the 49ers going to run? Are, are, are how, how long are they going to ride Brock Purdy? I think he's good enough. He can play on that team, obviously. Uh, I, 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 I'm i curious to see what they do with Brock Purdy 
when it comes to if Jimmy G becomes healthier? Do they have enough faith in Brock Purdy to maybe ride him out? You know, I don't know if they're going to do that to Jimmy G twice. I, I can't imagine they do that. Uh, but who knows? I mean, he's he's shown time and time again that he's good enough, at least, to put the 49ers in winning positions against relatively decent opponents. And um, I mean, they just keep on winning. They just keep on winning with the Brock Purdy. Doesn't matter who they throw out there. They just keep on winning. Right now, the San Francisco Giants, or Giants, San Francisco Giants. We'll talk about the Giants here in a little bit. San Francisco 49ers, three seed in the NFC. They're ten and four on the season, and um, it looks like they're more than likely going to stick to the three seed. I mean, Dallas is also a three seed. They're at ten and four, uh, and they're not going to probably not going to pass up Philadelphia towards the end of the season. I think they've more or less locked up the NFC East, but crazier things have happened between the Cowboys and Philadelphia. Philadelphia and, and Dallas played this weekend, and Jalen Hurts, it seems like, is more than likely not going to play in that game. So if Philadelphia loses that game, then all doors are open for a possible winning for the Cowboys to so winning the NFC East, and then they jump the San Francisco 49ers in any scenario. Um, the 49ers are probably one of the last teams I want to play against in the playoffs right now. They're hot. Their defense looks impregnable. Is that the right word? Impenetrable. That's probably the right word. Uh, they look, they're hot right now. Like I said, Christian McCaffrey was a huge pickup for them at the trade deadline. They, they made a fantastic, they made a fantastic trade there. He looks like just another weapon they added in San Francisco that's going to really expand that offense and make literally any quarterback that plays in that in that uh, in that situation look better uh and plus Debo Samuel his injury he got hurt but his injury doesn't look like it's going to be as severe as people thought it was going to be so that's good news Brandon Ayuk is kind of breaking out plus you got the security blanket in George Kittle their offensive line is still very solid and then on defense obviously top to bottom one of the best defenses in the NFL uh it's one of the last teams I want to play uh in the NFC even over you know Philadelphia it's it's them in Philadelphia that I don't want to play in the NFC you know even in the playoffs I think the Chiefs the Chiefs the Bills Philadelphia San Francisco those are the top four teams that I do not want to be playing in when it comes to the uh when it comes to the the uh the playoffs coming up here in just a few weeks I no thank you no thank you to any of those teams. So I'm glad the Minnesota Vikings were able to secure the NFC North, somehow stay 11-3, and three and uh, stay, keep that two seed. They play whoever you know sneaks into that six seed towards the end of the year. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, let's move on. Speaking of the Vikings, they beat the Colts. The Colts. Kirk Cousins, man. The whole Vikings team. I, I don't know which Vikings team I'm going to get week in, week out as a fan. No idea what I'm going to get. Who, Which team I'm going to see. Which team's going to show up to play in that game. Is it going to be the first half team? That game is kind of the tale of the entire Minnesota Vikings season. That that was it. They get blown out in the first half for the first three quarters of the game or what have you. And then somehow they find a way to come back and win the game late. Just inventing ways to win at this point. The, come back, the greatest comeback in the history of the sport, literally, by, by, by points. A 33-point comeback. And uh, they're able to win the game in overtime. Truly one of the most incredible victories I've seen. I don't know how. I, honestly, I, I should have been more excited than I was, to be honest with you. I have no idea how I wasn't jumping up and down when that game ended, uh, but I was more like, I don't know, hesitant because I was like, this is, I mean, I'm glad they won the NFC North. That was very cool. But it's like, if you get down 33 to nothing to any of these playoff teams at halftime, there's no coming back from that. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're playing the Giants, Washington, you know, Dallas, Tampa Bay, none of those guys. If you're playing, thir- if you're down 33 to nothing at halftime in the playoffs, it's over. The game is over. Now, we've seen it. We've seen teams come back from that before, obviously, but it's a different NFL. It's a different NFL. These guys know how to step on your neck and 
beat you, except for maybe one time in the most infamous time that it's ever happened. Matt Ryan also was the victim of this one in the Super Bowl between the Falcons and the Patriots. That's it. That was such an outlier that we still talk about it to this day as one of the greatest, you know, comeback victories, upset, or, you know, you know, things that we still talk about to this day in that Super Bowl uh, is that comeback victory and basically solidified Tom Brady as the greatest player of all time in the history of the NFL. Um, so it's such an outlier that, you know, it, it just doesn't happen. That just does not happen in the sport, especially today, especially when it's 33, nothing at halftime at halftime. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't necessarily think it was over, um, but I was, you know, I, I was getting ready to leave the house. I get the, at that point I was, you know, like I said, I was on vacation. I was getting ready for a wedding and I was like, all right, we can go, we can leave now. Granted, I didn't, we didn't end up leaving. I was like, all right, well, let's stay. Cause I had to, you know, still get ready and stuff. I came out, I came out uh, during the third quarter after I was getting ready. I was like, okay, this is a little bit closer than I thought it was going to be. And lo and behold, here we are. Vikings win it. I could not believe that the Vikings ended up winning that game. It was so just peak Vikings in the year 2022. Am I satisfied? No, I shouldn't say I'm satisfied because we want to win the chipper. We want to win the big one, obviously. But hey, here we are. Good game. Fun to watch. I was, I was up and down in my seat. I was excited for them. I think I've also become a much more uh, a much more sane fan when it comes to watching my teams. I'm doing less. I'm I'm putting less of myself into the victory or the loss. There are certain teams that I still get upset about when it comes to losing and winning. The Vikings maybe less so, but you know, the Red Sox I still very very passionately care about that team. Uh Oklahoma football still very passionately care about that team. Less so than when I was a teenager though. I think it just for whatever reason I think I grew some sort of uh mental fortitude that if the loss happens, it shouldn't ruin the rest of my day, which is something I think we should all kind of learn when it comes to sports. You know, if the law, if a loss happens, shouldn't ruin the rest of your day. You should be able to move on with the rest of your day and enjoy the rest of your day, even if you lost. That's how most fans should kind of react in that scenario. Anyways, I'm getting into a spiel, but that was a fun game to watch. I mean, and I feel bad for Matt Ryan too, man. Matt Ryan, bro, to be on the 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 end of the biggest comeback in the history of the Super Bowl, and then the biggest comeback in the history of the NFL. Both times to be on the the losing end of that is that's that's terrible. This is a borderline Hall of Fame quarterback we're talking about, and the thing he's probably most going to be famous for are the two comebacks that came upon him. And now he's getting benched. He's getting benched this week for Nick Foles, also, which that's tough as well. And tough tough scenes for Matt Ryan. Tough week for Matt Ryan. I I'm sure he's not doing very good right now. Um, moving on here, the Bills they beat the Dolphins. One of the best games of the weekend, I think. Uh, five in a row for the Bills questionable officiating probably for uh against the dolphins it started snowing also in the fourth quarter which will always will always favor the bills in that situation and their fans started going getting you know more and more crazier because they're bills fans and they are you know absolutely insane but five in a row on the bills they still have things they have to clean up to be honest with you uh you know it wasn't the perfect the most perfect game they were down eight entering the fourth quarter they probably i mean the dolphins kind of squandered that to be honest with you but you know, a win's a win. And that's kind of the, th- it feels like that's the mantra f- that the bills have kind of had to live with for the last few weeks. A win's a win. They, they were dominating people the first month of the season. And it felt like we were just going to hand the bills, the for the one seat in the AFC granted, they still have the one seat in the AFC, but it kind of felt like it was a, it was them and then everybody else. And it kind of feels like that gap's closing just a little bit. The chiefs still feel like they're probably the best team in the AFC 
I mean that those are those two are so close, and the Bengals are hot too. So I wouldn't want to play the Bengals either at the three seed right now. Um, so I, I don't know how to. It's just it's another thing. It's a similar thing with the Vikings, where I don't know which Bills team is going to show up. Is it the Bills team that's going to that showed up in October, September, and October, where they were just dominating everybody that they faced uh, offensively, defensively? The record. I mean, they lost to the Dolphins in that game in Miami earlier in the year, but they dominated it, dominated the Dolphins team um, statistically. They should not have lost that game. But other than that, I mean, they were pretty much dominating everybody up and down the field um, for most of the for the first month of the season. And ever since then, it looks it feels like the best football for them has been behind them, uh, which is not something you want to be saying going into the later months of the later months of the season, later weeks of the season heading into the playoffs. They still have the one seed. Obviously, uh, they're going to have to win out to kind of keep that one seed if they because the Chiefs are also 11 and three. You're going to want to win out to try to maintain that one seed, get that first round by uh, and then home field advantage the rest of the way. Uh, so we'll see what the Bills do, but they still have definite things to work on. But that also, I mean, all, I mean the Dolphins as well. Also, excuse me, I was going to move on, but the Dolphins—that is a team I do not want to play against in the playoffs. They're the seventh seed right now, uh, the last seed in the playoffs. But if you're the Chiefs, they're the two seed. Traveling to Kansas City is a nightmare, obviously, for the Dolphins. But that's a team that feels like if everything kind of goes their way for the Dolphins, they can kind of run with the Chiefs with the offense that the Dolphins have constructed around Tua. And uh, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, speed is something that you cannot compete against, and it would be interesting. Talk about a fun storyline if that is the case that happens in the AFC. Dolphins heading to Kansas City, Tyreek Hill revenge game against the Chiefs. Hell yeah, I would want to see that. That would be a ton of fun to see. Um, but yeah, that's just a team I do not want to face in the playoffs if I'm in the AFC. A seven seed, I'd rather play the Chargers. I'd rather play the Ravens. Uh, give me either of those teams over the Dolphins, who are the seven seed. Chargers are the six seed. Ravens are the five seed right now. Give me either, any of those teams, even the Titans at the four seed. I'd rather play them than the Dolphins because it feels like the Dolphins just can click it. You can't accommodate for speed and they will run all over you and end up winning the game or not necessarily run all over, run by you essentially. And Tua will hit them over the middle, which has basically been the keys to their wins every single game this season. And that's how they've won games. It's ridiculous. I and mean, they've been so efficient over the middle of the field. Uh, and Tyreek has had arguably the best season of, uh, of, wide receiver, of a wide receiver that we've seen in recent memory. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you know, it's just a team I do not want to face if I'm in the AFC right now. Moving on to the Chiefs, though. The Chiefs, they beat the Texans. That was an ugly game. Didn't like to see that if you're the Chiefs fans. Uh, they won in overtime. Chiefs won in overtime. That was an ugly game. The Chiefs, they have a turnover problem. They're minus seven in turnover differential, which is a sign for a bad team. That is not something that you want to have as an issue if you're a football team. Uh, in the NFL, that usually leads to bad things in the playoffs, and it can lead to bad things for the Chiefs. That is something that's uh, bugged them all season long, stuck with them, had, had allowed bad teams like the Texans, the Texans to stick in the game, stick in games, uh, has been the turnover issues. Not to mention, the Texans led this game heading into the fourth quarter. It was twenty-one to sixteen going into the fourth quarter, and it's the seventh time the Texans uh, this season where they were either tied or had a lead to start the final quarter, but they've only managed to win one of those games which is why they're heading towards the 2023, uh, the first pick in the draft, the upcoming draft. So it was a good effort from the Texans, to be honest. They were missing Damian Pierce Nicole, and Nico Collins, Brandon Cooks as well. Uh, and they're still running a weird two QB system. I cannot believe they're even sticking in games with that weird system that they're running. It's working somehow. Granted, you know, they're not winning, which at this point, I don't think the Texans or the Texans fans really want to be winning. At this point, you're tanking for the first pick in the draft. Clearly, that there should be no other focus on your mind if you're the Houston Texans than trying to get the first pick in the draft and getting the first pick in the draft. That's what they should be. Um, so, yeah, that was an interesting game. Kansas City, it's just, it's a 
bad look from them in the terms of the turnovers. Uh, it's the domain of losing teams is the turnover differential. M- negative seven, not good. Uh, they have survived the past couple of weeks despite a bunch of turnovers uh, and against inferior opponents as well. So we'll see what the Chiefs are able to do. Hopefully they can bring it together. The AFC teams, man, other than the Bengals, which the Bengals look like they might be the best team in the AFC right now, even though they're sitting at the three seed. Uh, Bills haven't looked unbeatable. Chiefs haven't looked unbeatable. They've kind of survived each and every week, whereas the Bengals have kind of turned it on, uh, turned it up a notch these last few weeks, and they just beat the uh the uh, Buccaneers, it was a uh, 34 to 23 after they were down 17 to nothing. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what to do with the AFC anymore. It's just, it's such a, such a fiasco, such a fiasco. Uh, moving on the Jags, they beat the Cowboys, Cowboys, another team that looks like they're trending downward towards the end of the season. Also not something you want to see if you're a Cowboys fan. Uh, and it was a bad loss at that. Dak had a couple of turnovers. Uh, the defense for the Jags, they'd been criticized all season for giving up big plays and having a bad pass rush. But lo and behold, and then right here in the Cowboys game, it shows up out of nowhere. Dak Prescott, he gives up two interceptions, uh, one that ended up being a game winner, uh, and it was returned It was returned for a touchdown for the game winner in overtime, and now he has nine interceptions in his past six games and 11 in his past nine games played this, in, his, in the nine games he's played this season. Uh, so... Also an issue for the Cowboys is the turnovers. Uh, we'll see what we'll see what happens with the Cowboys. But Dak Prescott, he's looked a little bit shaky. Uh, you know, uh, it's just it's it's bad look to be trending downward this time of the year. You know what I mean? So we'll see what the Cowboys do. The Jags all of a sudden they're fun too. Uh, who would have thought the Jags? Not to mention coming up on Thursday, this Thursday, this Thursday, so tomorrow as of I'm recording this uh, tomorrow, a big game that I never thought we probably looked at the schedule week 15 Thursday night football. And we're like, or week 16, I guess. We're like, ugh, this is a terrible matchup. It's the Jets and the Jags. And we were, we all probably looked at it at the beginning of the season. We were like, ew, that leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Ew, I don't want to do this. But here we are. Jets, Jags, that's huge playoff implications in that game. Massive playoff implications in the game. Whoever wins that game gets a step up in their, in their playoff bracket. Uh, the Jets are the nine seed right now. Jacksonville's the 10 seed. Jets are seven to seven. Jacksonville's six and eight. Uh, you can get a uh, you can get a, a tiebreaker if you're Jacksonville over the Jets if you win this game, and vice versa. Vice versa if you're the Jets over Jacksonville, you could bump up a few spots. You can get past New England if you're the Jets. Uh, you know, it's just a big game that I don't think any of us ever thought uh, ever thought we'd have, and here we are. Uh, so here we are. Uh, it's going to be an important game on Thursday, and uh, I never thought we'd see it. Jackson, it, the whole NFL is kind of upset down right now. We got the Jags who are fun. The, the Lions, of all people, are fun to watch for some reason, and the Jets are actually finally good again. What a time to be alive. What a beautiful time to be everything. We're living in the upside down, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are. Uh, Raiders over the Patriots. This game, what the hell was that game? I apologize. Hell, I said hell. I apologize. What the hell was that? What happened in that game? If you haven't seen it, just look. Just hit. hit go to the old Google bar. Hit. What happened? In, in in Raiders versus Patriots, what happened? Question mark. Type that into Google. You'll see the play that I'm talking about. What in God's name was Jacoby Myers and Ramondre Stevenson thinking? What were they doing? What were they doing? Who thought they were? I mean, they were tied. They were tied. This is also not to mention massive playoff implications in this game as well that they ended that the Patriots ended up losing. Massive, massive. And that's the way that they lose it. Uh, that was unbelievable. I could not believe my eyes when Jacoby Myers throws just flutters a pass over to Mac Jones in the backfield in a in a in a uh, in a 
lateral, I guess is yeah, a lateral that floor floated in the air. Chandler Jones standing right next by himself, standing next to Mac Jones, picks the ball off in the air and just runs over my uh, Mac Jones and goes into the end zone for a touchdown to win the game for the Raiders. Truly a disgusting made me want to throw up new England was playing. I, I thought new England was playing for overtime. I was like, okay, they're just going to play for overtime. Take the knee. Ramondre Stevenson. They're going to run a dive play right up the middle. Get as far as Ramondre can go. Have him take a knee. Then all of a sudden out of nowhere, Ramondre's like, yeah, let's pitch this. They pitched it to Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers is like, I'm out of room. I don't know what we're doing. This is, we're doing a lateral play. Okay, let's continue with this lateral. Throw it to Mac Jones, who's completely by himself, 20, uh, 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage with Chandler Jones standing right next to him. And Chandler Jones just bullied him. Just 48 yards just and five yards of that was just bullying Mac Jones to get him out of the way. And he just walks in for the touchdown. Chandler Jones, by the way, revenge game for Chandler Jones. This that must have been something in Chandler Jones's dreams. Like you have dreams of that if you're an edge defender for in an on an NFL team and any football team. You have you must have dreams of that where some guy is trying to pick, you know, pitch the ball back or whatever to the quarterback or you know, even a running back pitch the ball to a running back, you intercept it and you have nothing but a straight shot to the NFL, you can do or to the NFL straight shot to the end zone and you could do whatever celebration you want on the way. That must be a dream for Traylon Jones and he got to live it out. Live it out right in front of us all and it was beautiful. It was truly I could not believe what I was seeing. I I thought the Raiders were the team that were kind of the you know, the team that messes up, you know, we we all remember the the, the all-man blitz against the Jets that ended up being a, a Hail Mary win for the Jets. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. Everybody remembers that. Uh, but I, and I always thought the Raiders would be the team, especially between these two teams. I always thought the Raiders would be the team that would mess something up like that. And lo and behold, it's New England. It's the Patriots. Ever since Tom Brady left, this team has just lost all any sort of discipline. And it's weird to see. Bill Belichick again, though, I mean, the guy, if if he's acting, if he's in an act whenever he's doing that sort of stuff, there's nobody better at it. There is truly nobody better at the act than Bill Belichick. The guy is watching Chandler Jones, a former player of his, just walk into the end zone with the game-winning touchdown that will more than likely demolish. I mean, it, it's not the entire ending of their playoff hopes for New England, but it definitely hurts their playoff chances for New England. Um, and And Bill Belichick without any sort of any sort of any sort of emotion or anything like that arms crossed gets to the middle of the field shakes the hand of Mike McDaniel or excuse me Josh McDaniels he heads back into the locker room there's no emotion it is incredible the guy's a robot if it's his act he's incredible at it he's very good at just I, can you I mean if you're a normal human being just imagine the fans in that situation of the the patriot fans in that situation how they must have been reacting in order to keep that bottled in as the person that's standing on the sideline as the head coach you have to be have an immaculate poker face. I cannot believe that Bill Belichick just had a shred, like zero shred of emotion in that situation. It was amazing. And that was probably the most incredible thing of that entire scenario. Not Chandler Jones running over Mac Jones, uh, just not even trying to juke him out, just literally bullying him to the ground. Nothing like that. Not even the play itself. It was Bill Belichick standing there, arms crossed, just no emotion, heads to the middle of the field. Yep, we lost. That sucks. Here, shake my hand, Josh McDaniel, former former mentor of mine, or uh, uh, I don't know what you, I guess he was the mentor to Josh McDaniels, whatever it was. Uh, here, shake my hand, good game, good game. Uh, tough law, tough way to lose that, but here, good game. There's just no reaction, just no emotion. I don't know how he does it. He's got such a good act, man. There's nobody like him. He's incredible. Uh, okay, moving on. That, that game, that was the funniest game of the weekend, though. that entire moment. That's probably one of the funniest things of the whole year. Uh, that entire moment with Jacoby Myers pitching it back to a Mac Jones who's 20 yards. 
beyond the line or behind the line of scrimmage and Chandler Jones just picking it off like it's nothing and running over Mac Jones for the touchdown. That looked fixed. I don't think it was fixed, obviously. No no reason to think it's fixed. I just think Jacoby Myers got caught up in a situation where he thought maybe that this play was going on and didn't realize it was actually going on. And here we are. It was going on and they lost because of it. What a moment. What a beautiful moment for football. Uh, And, you know, just I loved it. I loved every second of it. It was one of my favorite moments of the whole weekend. Uh, All right, moving on here. We had the final game that I'm talking about here today. The Chargers, they beat the Titans. The only thing I want to talk about this, the Chargers, man, they should be so much better. They should be so much better. They punted on five of their ensuing seven drives after they resulted in an opening drive touchdown. Punted on five of the seven drives next after that. Justin Herbert threw two touchdowns. I cannot believe we live in a world where Herbert, one of the best quarterbacks in terms of just pure, pure talent that we've seen. Herbert, for whatever reason, just has these games. And the Chargers, for whatever reason, just has these games where they just seem like they cannot get anything going. It is so frustrating. They won 17-14, like I said, but it is so frustrating to see this team play because it's the, Char- the Chargers should be so much better than this. I just don't get it. They have one of the most special arm talents that we've seen in the NFL in Justin Herbert. The guy is good. It's not like he's just working on only strictly arm talent. I mean, the guy knows what he's doing. He's very good at it. Uh, I just It just makes my head hurt because this team, the Chargers, should be competing for the AFC every single year with a guy like Justin Herbert under center. And, I mean, they should probably have a couple other. I mean, they have Keenan Allen. Mike Williams is very good as well. Why can't this team be better? I don't get it. Their defense is trending upward. I mean, they're playing a little bit better. They're probably going to be a more dangerous team in the playoffs, obviously. But, I mean, I just, it's not a team. I I don't feel danger by the Chargers, and I should feel danger by the L.A. Chargers for what they have under center. One of the best arm talents we've seen in the NFL in recent memory, and it's just kind of being not used in the way I'd love to see him used. I love Justin Herbert is one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL just because of what he can do. There are throws that he makes at least feels like once a year that you can go back on and look and look at and be like, he is the only one in this league that can make that ball and make that throw. Maybe one other guy like Josh Allen can make that throw. But other than that, Justin Herbert is in a league by himself and it feels like they're just not using him in a mo- in the most effective way possible. He has those games like the one we just saw, I guess, Granted, uh, against uh, against the uh, against Tennessee, but I, I mean, it feels like you get that, and then you get the game last week against Miami, where he threw like what was it, like fifty times, forty five times, or something like that. Had an insane game and just drug the Chargers to victory in that game. So I don't know what to get from the Chargers, man. I have no idea. It's just so frustrating because they should be so much better than they actually are, and it's just it makes me angry because I want the Chargers to be good. I don't know why I want the Chargers to be good. I'm not necessarily, I'm not a Chargers fan. I'm a Herbert fan because he seems like fun. seems like a fun guy to hang out with. He's very uh, laid back and pretty chill when it comes to the media and that sort of thing. But when you look at it, you get, you know, those those quick glances of what looks like the real Justin Herbert. He looks like a ton of a fun guy to hang out with. And you know what? I respect that. I respect that for Justin Herbert. And he's really good at what he does. He's fantastic at what he does. He's one of my favorite players to watch. And um, here we are. He's eight. They're eight and six, and they should be better than that. So whatever. I mean, Whatever, dangerous still probably in the playoffs. They could just get, they could just click, get really hot, get healthy for one thing. I mean, the Chargers, like I said, I said that a couple weeks ago. It feels like they're one of the only teams in the NFL that are always dealing with injuries, and it's super annoying. Uh, but a team that's fully healthy with Justin Herbert quarterback would be really fun to see. Really fun team to watch, I think. Uh, okay, let's move on. That's the NFL week fifteen. A uh, little bit scattered, but that's okay. A lot of hey, we're going to get closer to the playoffs. We're going to have more stuff to talk about and yada yada yada. Uh, but you know. 
I'm a little scattered for week 15, but we're back full strength week 16. MLB, let's talk a little quick quick thing about the MLB, okay? couple big names. We had one of the craziest moves I've ever seen in the MLB. I don't think I've ever seen it before. Uh, the Giants. The Giants, they signed Carlos Correa to shortstop, and they signed him for, I think it was like a 13-year, uh, $350 million deal. So congrats to Carlos. Oh, wait. Psych. Flip alert. Flip alert. That's a flip alert, ladies and gentlemen. Carlos Correa pulls off one of the craziest things I've ever seen in free agency. Uh, they The Giants get back some questionable uh, uh, physical, I guess. They got something back questionable from his physical, uh, his doctor's appointment or whatever. Whatever happens during a physical, they were like, oh, we're going to back out of this for a second. We're going to check up on this physical. And then as they were checking up on the physical, uh, Carlos Correa opened up his free agency market in the middle of the night. He goes to the Mets. A uh, complete crazy flip. I've never seen before. Once I saw that they were they were holding off on the press conference, the Giants were holding off on the press conference for to for the signing of Carlos Correa until after the 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 physical came through. I was like, okay, this is a little bit. I'm a little nervous here for the Giants because this is not good, not a good look on not necessarily for them. Obviously, they want to have the most healthy guy that they're signing on this insane deal. Obviously, but I was also like, ooh, that's that could be bad. And lo and behold, twelve hours later, or however long it was, like eight hours later. In the middle of the night, Carlos Correa is like, yeah, I'm going to the Mets. I'm going to go to the Mets. Crazy signing by the Mets. Uh, they have apparently more money than God because they, they've spent an ungodly amount of money uh, this offseason with a ton of signings. I have no idea what they're going to do for, for, with Francisco Lindor. I guess you can play him at second base, possibly third, or Correa. You can play him at third, possibly. I think I'd rather have Frankie Lindor at shortstop if it were me. Probably a better glove. Correa's got the stronger throwing arm. But I think I'd probably have the range in Frankie Lindor. I don't know. I'm not a GM. But uh, I don't know what they're going to do with Frankie Lindor. You can play him at second, I guess. You can play him at third, I guess. You can teach him one of those positions. I got to imagine that the middle infield is not too different between shortstop and second. I could be wrong. I did play baseball, but I could be wrong in that scenario. Uh, I feel like if you're a shortstop, you should at least half know what you're doing at second base if you're playing at second base. That's what I would imagine they do. They just move Frankie over to second base, and then they have Carlos Correa at shortstop, Frankie Lindor at second base. First base, you got Pete Alonso, and on and on and on and on. But man, they've spent a lot of money. The Mets have spent a ton of money in free agency. I cannot believe. I, I'm surprised they're not under. Obviously not, but I mean, incredible. I could not believe Correa did that as well. I've never seen a move like that in the MLB. He's going to the Giants eight eight hours later. He's not going to the Giants. He's going to the Mets. Incredible. 12 years, $315 million. It's less money. It could be a, a more money a, a annually. I didn't I didn't look that up, that part up, but it's less money, one less year than the Giants. Uh, 12 years, $315 million for Correa. I mean, Correa, good luck in New York. Going to have a bigger spotlight on him. That Mets team is going to be very good next year if they can stay healthy. Another uh, MLB team version of the team that just seems like they can never stay healthy. Uh, that team should be very good. We'll see what they end up with on uh uh, where they end up in the in the NFC East? No, that's not right. The uh, NL East come spring, March. I mean, come summer, I guess more or less. Um, some more free agency trade, more free agency deals going down as well. So uh, Swanson, Dansby Swanson, that was the other one. The Grease going to the Cubs, Chicago Cubs, seven years, one hundred and seventy-seven million dollars. It was a it's a shortstop fiasco in free agency, and uh, Swanson was one of them. Seven years, $177 million. The Cubs, they get their guy that they can probably build around, build some sort of a franchise around uh, in Dansby Swanson. I don't know if he's, you know, he's not Aaron Judge, in my opinion, or anything like that. He's not a Mookie Betts or anything like that, but still a very solid shortstop. Good-looking dude, good face. Uh, that you can kind of build around for the Cubs. That's the guy that you can you can put out there to the media, the press, or whatever, and he'll be your guy. He'll be your captain. He'll be the guy leaning forward 
and he can be the dude that ushers you into a new era if you're Chicago, I think. So good signing by the Cubs, I think. They needed that centerpiece to kind of build their way back up, and I think they got it in Dansby Swanson. They also took a, a flyer on on uh, Cody Bellinger, who, with, and who knows if he can figure out what, what was going on with him in L.A. Not too long ago, he was an MVP. Literally two years ago, he was an MVP. Maybe he can figure it out in Chicago and become the player that we saw in 2020. Maybe not. And he becomes, you know, again, Cubs, just a flyer on him. I think it was like two years, 12 million or something like that, or one year, 12 million or something like that. And they took a flyer on him. They're going to get a probably either way. I mean, you get a bang for your buck or it's a flyer deal. And he's gone after two years. If you're the Cubs, good deal by them on that one. And um, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Cubs. And, you know, if this is the start for something uh, for the Cubs and we'll, we'll see if they can compete for the NL Central here in a few years. Who knows? Who knows? They did lose Wilson Contreras. That was a big loss, obviously, behind the plate. Uh, that looked like it was that was trying. That was who they were trying to make as their centerpiece guy. Didn't end up working out. He was on the trade block like all season long. Uh, he ended up going in free agency to the Cardinals to, uh, I mean, basically usher in the new era over Yadier Molina in St. Louis as well. So we'll see what happens to the Cubs, see what happens with the Cardinals. Another one, uh, Carlos Rodon. Signs with the Yankees. This is a good year, six uh, a good deal for the Yankees. Six years, one hundred sixty-two million dollars. Uh, great number two pickup for the Yankees. And if he ends up, you know, plump, balling out, he can definitely be an ace if they need him to be. Uh, Garrett Cole has had his times where he's been a little bit shaky uh, at certain spurts of the year. And you know, Carlos Rodon, not necessarily better than Carl uh, than uh, Garrett Cole, but uh, he will uh, provide some sort of stability at the two spot. Uh, not necessarily an ace, but he can step in when he needs to be over Garrett Cole, and um, that's a good signing for the Yankees, in my opinion. That that only makes them better, obviously. They didn't necessarily lose anybody huge in the offseason. They lost Andrew Benatendi, and uh, I, I, did they lose somebody else? They may have lost somebody else that I'm blanking on, uh, but Andrew Benatendi, which he was hurt for most of the time that they had him anyway, so we'll see what the, I mean, the Yankees, they picked up a good pitcher. They re-signed the most important piece in Aaron Judge. They're going to be coming back. Better than they were last year, I would imagine. Um, so we'll see what the Yankees do. And it's, it's you know, not a lot of necessarily, other than the Correa flip, that was really bad. That, that was really insane. I never thought I'd see that in baseball, but here we are. Um, but I think a lot of chalk in terms of no huge surprise moves other than the Correa move. Uh, Dansby leaving, I think, was kind of a, you know, kind of something we expected. Uh, Xander leaving Boston was maybe something we expected as the time went on between when their first contract negotiation negotiation happened to their last contract negotiation. I think it was kind of it felt like he was on his way out regardless. Um, but that was kind of I think Correa flipping from the Giants to the Mets was probably the biggest whoa uh, that we got all free agency, and it's still going on. You know, granted, there's still players that are looking for new homes and stuff like that. So we'll see what happens the rest of free agency. There's going to be new names and new places in the spring. And uh, right now it is, you know, negative 15 degrees or whatever right now in Sheridan. And I cannot be wishing for spring to come faster right now because I am, I'm I'm getting excited for baseball again. I cannot believe I'm saying that I'm actually getting excited for baseball again, free agency. There's nothing like the winter meetings in baseball and the free agency stuff that comes after that. There's really nothing like it. It really gets me pumped for the, the for baseball to come the next season just because I like seeing the new names and the new faces and the new places and stuff like that. It's just fun to kind of see. And uh, yeah, and especially when it's negative 20 degrees outside in Sheridan, then, you know, I definitely like thinking about spring. I think I definitely spring can come a little bit quicker this year. That'd be great. I'd really appreciate that. Okay. That, ladies and gentlemen, is going to wrap it up. I told you it was going to be a little bit shorter this week. I apologize. We're kind of we're kind of confining stuff. We're trying to compact some things because it is the end of the week. We're heading into Christmas. Merry Christmas to you all, by the way. Merry Christmas to you and your families and your loved ones. Merry Hanukkah as well if you celebrate Hanukkah and all the other happy holidays things. 
Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, you know, all the joy, all the fanfare. Thank you very much for tuning in. You guys are my Christmas present to me. That was really corny. I apologize. But thank you very much for tuning in. Truly, thank you very much for tuning in. Make sure uh, to tell your friends about the podcast. I'd really appreciate that. Remember to leave a rating on any of your podcast platforms that you listen to this on. Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you can listen to these podcasts. You can listen to it. You can rate it. I'd appreciate a rating. That really does me a lot for getting me into the trending section and such. So I'd really appreciate that. Uh, But for now, this has been the Weekend Sports Wrap Podcast, and I've been your host, James Timberlake.